If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast may contain content that is sensitive for some listeners. If you or someone you know is in a suicidal crisis or emotional distress, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the Lifeline, at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Crisis workers are available 24 hours a day. Calls are free and confidential. Oh, is it starting? (laughs) Yeah, we can go whenever. In three, two. Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey psychotherapist all in one breath i do that all i'm i'm alec mop i'm an actor and comedian and i'm very excited about today's show i am too i'm matthew dempsey i'm a multicultural counselor and psychotherapist i have to figure out your lighting because i look like a cadaver right now and you always look sun-kissed and like just wonderful i'm in in compare and despair mode because of the olympics i turn i what oh my god did you see um caleb dressel's body the swimmer I forget which one that is. I haven't been following the Olympics, but I have seen some very he's, attractive men in the Olympics. <laughs> what are we talking about? He's he's just he's just sculpted and just kind of like anyway. I, I it's very easy for me to veer off topic, but today okay, yes, let's bring we're, it back. <clears throat> we're talking about drama. Yes, trauma, 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 trauma. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yes, um, yes. Specifically, sexual abuse and trauma. Sexual abuse and trauma. I am raising a son who uh, was. Uh, in the foster care system for two years before he came to live with us. Um, uh, and we he came to live with us just as he turned five years old. He was in the foster care system for two years and there was a degree of um, abuse that he suffered. Oh. Now, and the, and, and the thing about foster care is they have to be completely transparent. Sure. About, you know, the kid you're adopting. Are you willing to take this on? And it would it had been in our kid's file that that it was just... that he was a lot. And Jamie and I were like, he's five. Every kid who's five is a lot. Right. Right. He came to live with us and we totally got him. We fell in love with him. He was Mm. like bright and affectionate and open. He was emotional, but in a way that we could handle and in a way that we could understand. Yeah. We're like, you're five. You're living with complete strangers. Right. You don't know where you are. Right. So we we gave him a lot of leeway. It wasn't like, hi, we're two gay guys with a really nice house. Get used to it. Let's go. We're yeah. your parents now. <laughs> right. So when there there were a lot of um, there were a lot of tantrums. There mm-hmm. were a lot of um, what my therapist would call disproportionate reactions to things. Yes, yes. You know, and they were all triggered by abuse. by the abuse. So uh, oh, he was in therapy right away. Mm-hmm. Um, was in, and then I, but I had to learn as his father mm-hmm. about triggers. And everything and and what set them off. And I realized in learning about triggers that I was raised by a traumatized person. I was raised by a dad who grew up. My dad grew up during World War II. He saw a lot of carnage, saw a lot of things that no kid should ever see. And when I was a kid, he would lose his temper. And when he did, it was like hit the deck. 
So I grew up with somebody who had a billion triggers, which is why I'm like this. Because my my role in the family was like, you know what I mean? To like make everybody laugh and make everybody happy. But it's kind of like I really had to educate myself in trauma. And, yeah. and what it really, really means, and yeah. and for those for those uninitiated, what, how, what's what's your um, clinical explanation of, well, of trauma and what it does? So okay, so I think probably, and we've talked we've talked about this a little bit on uh, previous shows, but mm-hmm. I think one thing to just kind of note is that trauma is not, you know I think a lot of times we just kind of think it's just like some emotional thing, but it's a real measurable physiological thing that happens to us mm-hmm. internally. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about our nervous system and how our nervous system kind of like, uh, it's, it's kind of longest nerve through our spine. It's called the vagus nerve and about how that gets regulated. The vagus nerve? The like vagus Las nerve, Vegas? Like Las Vegas nerve. Yes. Okay. And so it's just, it's the longest kind of nerve in our body. And it's also what really helps to kind of regulate our emotions and just our general nervous system and mm. how we feel physiologically. And, um, and that's, you know, our, our nervous system is really kind of what responds to, you know, external stimuli and, and what's going on. And especially when there's crisis. So when there's crisis, you know, our body does a number of things, you know, that's kind of when we think about like fight, flight, or freeze. And exactly. those are the responses that we have to, uh, these kind of these moments of crisis, right. These mm-hmm. moments of trauma that happen. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, it develops within us, kind of within our physiology, it develops a response to that, which is an incredibly appropriate response to have when we are being abused or when there's some real like right. trauma. Because you're but in survival mode. You're it's in survival like, mode. Yeah, yeah. You're in survival mode. But so what winds up happening that is beyond that then after these kind of moments of abuse or prolonged exposure to crisis is that we don't necessarily have the tools to learn how to re-regulate our nervous system. And mm-hmm. so that when anything happens that in the slightest mm-hmm. seems to reflect some of that abuse or trauma, then we just wind up kind of, you know, doing the same, it's the same reflex. It's the same kind of uh, defense strategy to what the real crisis had been in our lives. Um, and so then it becomes kind of this roadblock and hurdle for us to be able to show up for our lives in other ways that, mm-hmm. you know, and to kind of like meet our, our more evolved needs than just survival. Right. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. Right. At my son, uh, the biggest challenge growing up, and even now, he's 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 made enormous strides. He's so therapized. I mean, he says things to me like, if we have a disagreement, he'll say, listen, every can we just say everybody has feelings on this? <laughs> <laughs> but you said a really I love like, that. You said a really great word. You said regulate, yes. emotionally regulate. And yes. that was his problem as a little boy is he, you know, kids who have had um, parents there from the beginning know how to emotionally regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. Or if, mm-hmm. if you've had a parent mirroring that you're going to be okay, everything's all right. But if there's been a gap in that parenting and the emotional development, what my, and there was for my kid. Wait, let's uh, just, just a quick, yeah. just a quick amendment yeah. to that. It's when you have parents who know how to appropriately regulate their own emotions that they then have the ability to pass that along. Thank you. Yes. For putting that in my mouth. Yeah. That is perfect. <laughs> if I had a nickel. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's why we're great together. So um, his biggest challenge was he did not have the ability to emotionally regulate himself. Yeah. Everything, everything triggered a fight or flight response. Yes. So when he was home with us, he was completely regulated. And we can explain what regulate means. It means that you're 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 all right, you're calm, you're cool, you're collected. It's kind of like everything's at like a a manageable state. You feel safe and secure. 
you feel safe and secure. Yes, so and, we and would, along with that peace and calm. Yeah. He would he would feel safe and secure with us, and then he would go to school, and then everything would go haywire. Yeah. His impulse control was gone. Right. His ability, to, and so that always created conflict mm-hmm. at school. Jamie and I would have to show up and be like, "All right, what happened today?" Because mm-hmm. something was always setting it off, and it wasn't until that we realized that that what was going on, the triggering, mm-hmm. that we stopped looking at the behavior and started looking at the why. Good. And then it became like, how do you stay regulated at school? And how do you teach a six-year-old? How do you teach a five-year-old to emotionally regulate themselves? Yes. I think you just, but you brought in a really important part of it too, which was that you could shift your uh, kind of perspective or approach to it to, okay, well, what's the why? Like, let's step into the emotional context of this. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people struggle to do is they get so fixated on just kind of like, well, wait, what are you doing? And let's, yeah. you know, kind of reason through this. And you're not in trouble. You're not, you know, you're not in danger and like tries to rationalize something that's it's not a rational. completely emotional uh, process and experience. So the fact that you start there first is mm-hmm. such the missing link for a lot of, you know, kind of a, approach in, you know, kind of processing some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, uh, there was like in, in uh, dialect, we took dialectical behavioral therapy yes. and they called, they had something called SUDS, which is your subjective levels of distress. I know I've got that wrong, but it was like, when you're completely <laughs> regulated, you're at a 60. All right. When you get a little elevated, you're at a 70. Anything above an 80, I can't really hear what you're saying. Yeah. I can't really hear what you're saying. I can't. And then if I'm at a 90, forget about it. Yeah. Then it's kind of like, you could be saying, Alex, stay calm. Alec, Alec, you know, just, you know, in, and I, I can't, I can't hear you. Yeah. So it's really about like what we learned in uh dialectical behavior therapy is about de-escalating yourself. Yeah. How did you do that skills. specifically? What were the skills well, that you learned? The one that I really learned that I never thought about before. There was one exercise called riding the wave, mm-hmm. meaning whatever. I love yeah. riding the wave, riding, riding the, the wave. emotional wave, the emotional surfer. Whatever emotion you're feeling, yeah. anger, fear, yes. uh, happiness, it's yes. not gonna last forever. Yes. It's gonna run through your body. And if you just let it run through your body and let yourself experience it, yeah. it's gonna subside at one point. Yeah, the reason why I love framing it in this way is because if you think about like being at the beach, is anybody who's ever like body surfed or anything like right. that, it's like, you know, if you're trying to just kind of like go with the flow of, a, of an actual wave in the ocean, if you're gonna try to beat it back, it's gonna fucking pummel you. But if right. you find a way to kind of like try to kind of catch it and then go with it, then you can ride that wave back to shore. And that's something that we call emotion in kind of the emotional context of this radical acceptance. Right. Right. Not trying to fight back what is such a natural organic part of where you're at right now, even with the uncomfortable feelings. So there was, there's a whole kind of skills breakdown that goes Mm -hmm. along with that. Mm -hmm. Riding the wave, um, de-escalating. There were, there were skills. Go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, something as simple as going for a walk, taking care. Um, Ice ice or water on your face. It's very hard to feel the emotion that you're feeling, yeah. a really hot emotion if you're cold, if there's yeah. a cold compress. Like I found a cold shower. Cold compress, cold shower. I found that an ice pack, when I'm pissed off, it's yeah. harder to get angrier when you have that. Or sometimes it's just isolation, just kind of like, you know, when when they were little kids in school, the emotional uh, exercise was called use, use your exit shoes. Yeah. Use your exit shoes, take yourself out of the situation so you're not going to do anything or say anything that's going to hurt another person. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole and we learned, I, you know, because I my husband is like so patient. 
he's really good at not taking anything personally and yeah. kind of letting somebody have their freak out. I take everything personally and I'm <laughs> I'm super reactive. So my son's emotional, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My son's emotional <laughs> in, uh, intelligence, education was just as much for me. Yes. And all of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, he's not the problem, I am. My problem is that I, re I react to everything. Well, and this is family dynamics yeah. that this yeah. is a, that this is a that this is a family issue to be addressed, right? This is kind of a community or a group issue to be addressed. Yes. It's not just one person's thing, you know. But and uh, it's yeah. ongoing. It's ongoing, ongoing because yeah. when your family you piss each other off immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, your family it was it your uh, your uh, parents know how to push your buttons because they installed them. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like well, this is this is a great great discussion. I can't wait to have yeah. it. We have the most amazing guest today. Yes, we do. We have one of my favorite people. I met her, uh, if you've ever watched the show Criminal Minds on CBS, she's like the star of that show. She's mm -hmm. the undisputed star of that show. Kirsten Vangsness is here. I did a telethon with her for a Project Angel Food and we'd never met in person and we instantly fell in love. I'm absolutely crazy about her and she's gonna be our guest right after these messages. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're so looking forward to talking with our guest today. She's an LA-based actor and playwright. You may know her from 15 seasons. Whoa! She played Penelope Garcia on the hit show Criminal Minds. She even co-wrote five of the episodes, including the series finale. She also has her own YouTube show called Kirsten's Agenda. Last year, she got rave reviews at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for her one-person show, Mess. Oh, we have that in common. Yes. Mess. <laughs> and the feminist musical Cleo, Theo, and Woo. If all that isn't enough to keep her busy, she also co-owns a distillery in Santa Ana called The Blinking Owl. Woo. I'm not drinking, Matthew. I, this is, I met her too late. Oh, I am, Kirsten. <laughs> please, please, please welcome the very talented Kirsten Vanksness to the program. Yay! Yay. Thank you so much for, I was just sitting there listening and I was like, oh, I totally, you know, I worked at a group home with kids that wouldn't succeed foster care. Mm. It was my job out of college. And I just was hearing what you were saying. And I was like, yeah, like yeah. just, you learn. So yeah, I just. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's not a, it's not a one-stop thing. I mean, he has, we have to, he's never going to be, it's going to be something he's going to live with and have to deal with for the rest of his life. Yeah, but like everybody, right? Yeah, but now we've given way. him the tools yeah. and the language to identify what mm -hmm. he's going through. And he's actually, he's done the work. I mean, at 16 years old, he's really done the work hmm. for this. And it's 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 really incredible to see how far he's come. Yeah. yeah so okay. trauma, go. <laughs> <laughs> Some balloon animals. <laughs> um, we're gonna make this good, okay? Um, we're the best in bed. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, like I don't know. Everybody, it's trauma is such a weird thing, right? Because everybody's got it. Mm. I remember when I started to understand 
that I was from a tumultuous family that had created a lot of that. And my system was entirely dysregulated mm. uh, to the point that I was walking around with a big invisible sign on my head that said victim mm. and that I was attracting stuff. And that the only way I knew how to get connection was in a front, how I learned from my primary caregivers was so dysregulated that it would put me down a road of entirely not getting what I want ever. Like when you realize that and you start going into it, I think that something that I find that I'm very tenderhearted with myself and with other people about is that we, um, especially people like me who was, I was gaslighted about it for so long Mm. that it's hard for me, my mom and my sister, anybody, it's like, I'm the liar in the family. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of have to be like, okay, I just have to act as if then like, I love you very much. You have to have your own reality. But when you've had trauma and you can't exactly, you can put your finger on it, but the target moves when you try to think about it, you know? When that happened, you you compare and despair about your trauma. You go, oh, wait, that didn't happen to me, but this happened and this is, uh uh-oh. And you start trying to evaluate the trauma. Yeah in terms of the subject matter, as opposed to like, kind of what you were saying about, about your, your darling kid, about the why, like, okay, that all I know is that this is how the, all I can do is look at my inside universe and go, okay, this is how I do this, which seems wrong and weird. Yeah. And it can be, Mm. and it can be so, it could be so disorienting too, like to even just to be able to line up facts and be able to understand perspective and what shapes our perspective and all of that. But I'm just curious if you don't mind kind of like going to the, to the start of it, what, what do you feel comfortable sharing about specifically what your experience was with trauma? Let's see. Um, I was raised in this family with a a dad who was very dysregulated, um, very unhappy, a mom who thought she had to marry this man, uh, we were sort of like property. We were told consistently that like, I did, we didn't have, um, a lot of agency. I didn't have a lot of agency, a lot of boundaries crossed. And those things are real tricky. Cause when you, you just grow up that like, Oh, I'm not allowed to shut the door mm-hmm. in the, my most private of moments, someone can walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, uh, I don't, when you don't know what's going on with your body and your body starts doing things and you can't tell anybody, cause if you tell somebody that your body is doing something based on the fact that you're having weird body regulations, because you happen to be the kid who has this anxiety because their dad is so inappropriate. So you have this anxiety. So you stay up all night and then you're the one that's awake when the mm-hmm. drunk guy's awake. And mm-hmm. who knows if the drunk guy is watching stuff, uh, inappropriate, wildly inappropriate things that children shouldn't be watching and doesn't care that you're in the room Mm. or you're Mm. a device for the events that are happening. I don't even know. I I don't, I don't have there, there becomes this point where you spend a lot of time being like Agatha Christie or Angela Lansbury of your life and trying to like piece it together. Mm -hmm. And the way I handled it, like how you were saying the fight, fright, fight, flight. Yeah. Yeah. There's faint too, you know, mm-hmm. that where you just sort of like, you aren't there. And I right. just wouldn't be there. I just would go. And um, I don't Are you know. You're talking about disassociating. Yeah. And what I, I just learned this really neat di- definition of disassociating for me, which means um, when you, when you, when you can't, you don't know the, um, when you don't know the, I'm doing it right now. So that's why it's taking me a second. That's okay. Take your time. When you don't know the, the 
thought um the 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 thought incorrectness you don't know the Mm -hmm. thing you're thinking that is incorrect and so you don't know the tool to use Mm -hmm. and to me that's a good definition of disassociation when i don't know what's going on and i don't know what i can do inside my body Mm. where everything just kind of goes you know and um and so yeah so there was things that were happening inappropriate touching sexualization of things i'm also very very because i'm so touchy about it i i don't want to go into like details. And again, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It matters how it manifests within you. And it's your parents' job. Mm -hmm. It's your caregiver's job to notice how those things show up on a kid and to do things about it. Mm -hmm. I was a very odd looking kid. My sister was very femi and pretty and all that stuff. And I was, I wasn't, and I was, uh, I, I didn't know the words for it, but I was queer. I'm, I'm panned by sexual. Um, and, uh, I was, um, I lost the ability to, to relieve myself for months at a time and Mm -hmm. would have to go to the doctor. And then it's like this re-traumatization of a body part that you're already getting trauma. And and then as I got older and it was like, at a certain point, you're like getting beat up and you're not, and you're trying to like explain what's happening, but people are kind of looking at you. Cause I was kind of holding Mm -hmm. the trauma on my body. Like it was Mm -hmm. in my body. It was on Mm -hmm. my body. Mm -hmm. I don't have the words for what's going on. I'm just overly sexual. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, trying to get other kids into situations with me. Uh, uh, and then when I got to be of an age where sexuality was something you wanted to do, which if in the central Valley, I don't know about your husband, but for me, that's around, I don't know, fifth grade. Um, and, uh, then you start that, that meant to be a joke, you guys, but I forgot. I was very, no, don't yeah. be shamed. I was very sexually precocious. I was, so I yeah. was just listening. I was yeah. just, I was, I was silently agreeing. Like, okay, fifth grade. And I got these, I always had this best friend. I always said the pretty best friend who's like, the boys want to look at my ass. You have to stand behind me. So it was my job to look at her ass, which is a great job. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and so I always had these very pretty best friends and this is before it's Pat. And I do think that it, if the SNL it's Pat sketch was existing, then I would have been like an icon um, yeah. because that was sort of my aesthetic. I dressed you were androgynous. Like, I dressed totally. like a boy. I was very, um, and I got beat up a lot. And I was, I was, and I would sort of outwardly, I'm this is yeah. what you would see in fourth grade. Right. I am earnest. I am, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what I say, whatever's going on inside me, I, I can't, it's circuitous. I try to like, let me, you know, and yeah. I think also in my family, my role was like, I was, my job was to take care of my dad. I could, I could calm him down. I could calm yeah. my parents down when they argued. You get it, Alec. Yeah. I, could, I could do that. And I, because I could do that, I felt valuable and, and, yeah. and it's a skill mm-hmm. that still works today. I yeah. can, I can de I can de-escalate in a really interesting way, which I know you can too. That's <laughs> Alec does not de- does not de-escalate. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Wait, no, no, me- no, provocatively, he can provide. Yes. He's a provocative peacemaker, which is exactly yeah. What yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but let me. I just kind of want to like go back a little bit and talk about what I'm hearing some of what you're saying because what is the ideal scenario for uh, you know kind of like any parenting and and kind of growing up is that we have parents who have the ability to just kind of let us exist, create a very safe and secure structure and place for us to try and develop 
to give us enough time and attention in very appropriate ways so that that can happen, knowing that it's never going to be done perfectly Mm -hmm. and to be able to help us learn how to cope and regulate things as they go on. So not Mm -hmm. only did you not have that because of the absence of all of these boundaries about doors open in private areas and, you know, your father, you know, crossing a lot of boundaries, things like that, that, um, that you didn't have that structure and safety in place. And on top of it too, there was also abuse that was happening too. Um, yeah, and, 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 and I think that that becomes like, and it, you feel like the abuse is your fault. Right. You're trying to get it. And on top of that, the part where you were, how you were talking, Alec, about like, you're, it's, I know you guys knew what you were talking about, but I found it also salient to what mm-hmm, we're talking mm-hmm. about right now. Um, you have to be able, you have to have the resources. I mean, I'm privileged in that I'm a white girl. And uh, I live in America um, mm-hmm. so th- and those are huge privileges. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not have money. My dad, uh, my, we lived, existed on my mom's paycheck. And then my dad was like a big gambler. Fil- I don't know mm-hmm. what he did, but it, it, mm-hmm. it was never there. So you have a woman who either doesn't have the ability to, or is too scared to do the work. So you're bathing in the waters of a mother you know, that right. other thing is that like, it, yes, it's important for parents to do that. But I think sometimes now we live in worlds where sometimes parents don't get inside and take care of their own little kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't mm-hmm. know how to take care of that little kid. And that yeah. little kid becomes they're as aggressive with that little kid out there as they are with their own. Little oh, yes. And it's very. It's very, and of course, in terms of our like long-term process on this and our long-term healing is to be able to understand, you know, perhaps maybe what had instigated, you know, the kind of perpetration of some of the abuse that we've experienced in no way to justify it, right? But in a way to be able to start just kind of understanding and assessing things, because what that also does for us then is to be able to have the same compassion for ourselves or even more compassion for ourselves to understand that we did not have the tools to be safe at a baseline Mm -mm. and also to learn how to regulate our own emotions. And so what winds up happening is we fucking flip flop all over the place, just trying to grasp at anything to kind of like, oh, well, how am I supposed to then kind of feel okay? Oh, well, I can pacify, right? I can, I can take care of other people or put their needs ahead of my own. And maybe that will kind of calm things and settle the waters for a little bit and keep people off my, you you know, off myself. You can be with people that are more dysregulated than you. Yes. So you seem like you're the right. star, which is right. something right. I did a lot. Right. Um, sure. You can. Um, and, I, and I also think that like the, the tricky part of it is that because I just feel like me, I've always felt like me and I've always felt like I've had to be kind of the adult. Yeah. I don't sometimes don't know how to be like. I forget that that was a kid. What is that? that what does that mean? I, feel I like forget me. that there was a kid in that room. There right. was Kirsten in that room. Mm-hmm. And Kirsten is right here. Right. And Kirsten was watching all of it. Although, yes, with this little kid brain, but Kirsten was experiencing all of it going, oh, he's doing that because he's a, oh, and she's doing that. Oh, and I know what, like, you feel like you know everything because you mm-hmm. kind of have to. So it's yeah. weird mix of magical thinking, which, I've, I've cling to still like it's saving grace. So I, I, I think it was really hard for me. It's sort of how I get through the day. It would, if I were to, I write about this all the time. I wrote, Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a, an animated short that I've made that I'm perfectly happy to show anybody, but it's password protected because it's Mm -hmm. a little like a resting and, Mm -hmm. um, 
it's about this, how you sort of can repeat these experiences. I wrote, I wrote a whole play, this play Cleothian Wu, that's about specifically feminine, um, not necessarily women, but this idea that like uh, feminine energy can get really attacked. Um, and, and we can get, um, and we don't let ourselves have that righteous rage. Cause I don't, yeah. right. I, right. I, my mom went to that play like 10 times and mm. one day she called me and this is, I'm talking like right before the pandemic, she called right. me and she said, uh, don't call me back because if I talk to you on the phone, I'll start crying. And I assumed mm. like, Oh my God, <sighs> she's sick. Something's wrong. Uh, yeah, and my yeah. dad transitioned to non-physical AKA croaked uh, like 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. so he's not around and, uh, that's a whole other thing to feel really weird that you're supposed to feel something other than like, Oh, thank goodness that someone's on mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. That was and your that reaction always, to it. Yeah. That always makes me feel like I'm a fucking psycho because if I'm lying and yeah. then I feel relieved that someone is dead, right? I'm, I'm terrible. Um, but, and so in, but my mom called me and, and said this, so immediately I call her back and she said, I told you not to call me. And I said, no, I, what, what's going on? What's wrong? And she said, um, did I not protect you when you were a kid? Mm. And I was like, I'll come over today. And I came over and I brought my phone with me because I put it on voice memo and not, didn't tell her because I had no other witness in the room and I needed to take care of myself. Right. And she, you know, starts talking and she's really trying and she goes to Al-Anon and she does this stuff. She really Mm -hmm. tries. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I can't imagine. I, I don't even know how it could happen because I was always there and, you know, and you were like this and it's like, if I were to actually break it down to her, aside from like, look, mom, all I know is how it physically manifested in me right. and what I have chosen to do to heal. And, you know, I'm a firm believer and only take advice from people whose lives you want to be leading. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, you know, all of that, I've done that and I feel better. Yeah. But if I were to break it down for her, like, I don't know if she has, maybe I have different brain synapses. It doesn't sound like, I think it's fair to assume that she didn't have the same experience. I mean, the thing about dialectical well, behavior. She had the same thing, experience, yeah, but yeah. differently. I think a, diff- maybe- a different subjective experience of it. You said something yeah. earlier that really stood out to me. It's like, this is the thing that I do. This is the thing that I do. And this is how, it, and you said how the wound manifests. And for my own experience, because I'm a recovering sex and love addict, is I had to get to a point in my life where all the choices I was making completely mirrored how I felt about myself. And yeah. I could see it. And it yeah. had to get so bad for me to start doing the work. Mm-hmm. Now, was there, and and then and then you said, like, when you realize that your, your upgrowing wasn't like everybody else's, that, mm-hmm. oh, that's not no, normal. Theater, theater is what saved me. I had two gay best friends. Yeah. And one of my best friends, I just didn't know I would be on the phone. I was on the, be on the phone with him. And he would hear in the background what I was assuming was normal. And I still think what my mm-hmm. family, and, and here's the thing. Mm-hmm. My family is so lovely together, happy. I have two happy, healthy nieces. My sister has married the same completely woke, lovely person. So like mm-hmm. everybody's okay. Um, but, uh, he would, he would say, Kirsten, look outside. Is there a car outside? And I would look out and there'd be a blue truck. And I'd say, yeah. And he goes, that's my mom's car. Get in it. And Aww. I'd be like, no, James, I can't, I can't, I'm not allowed to get, just get your stuff and get. And I slept at his house from like, uh, 16 and a half. And until I got a boyfriend and then getting a boyfriend sort of gave me a way out. But then you're making bad choices in that way. Cause like I did what you were doing, which is 
externally in the world, mm-hmm. it was like, life is like this. And in here, we're all pieces of trash. So I would then attract people, but mm-hmm. out in the world, it's like this. It and recreates thought, that world all over again. Yeah, such a but comfort. Kirsten, Kirsten yeah. let me ask you this though, because, because I hear you about, you know, how maybe things start to re- repeat certain patterns or uh, things like that. But one of the thing that one of the things that you're mentioning, I think, is important because it's a huge departure from what you had learned to do in your home. When you're talking about getting to a certain point of 15 or 16, saying, "Okay, I'm going to actually leave my house and take care of myself for a moment," that's a huge departure from this overwhelming caretaking coping strategy that you learned. Right. So, what was it? What was it for you? Because you, you know, you had mentioned that like this is who I am, or you know, the way that I can kind of think and caretake and all that. So. How did you eventually be able to realize that that's not who you are, but that's what you did? I think externally, the external world of my my friends, these two friends that I had that mm-hmm. sort of saw me as this like incredible, wonderful, wonderful weirdo mm-hmm. that I was like, what if that's true? Ah. What if what oh. if what if everything about me that I've been told that I'm that I'm gross, that I'm um I just can't do anything right. I can't do anything Uh right. And then I belong to another person. Yeah. What if there are men, specifically men that say, no, no. And then I got to watch my friend James and the way his dad treated him, Mm -hmm. which was very gentle and whatever. And you just kind of start watching and you go, oh, that's what it's like out there. So then Mm. I started to try to act more like out there, you know, and yeah. then that made, I had horrible anxiety attacks, which were a saving grace. Cause my parents found them very disruptive. And then they put me in therapy. And of course the therapists that they found were uh, more on their frequency. So they weren't great. Um, oh, and they no. were sort of inappropriate, but it sort of got me into like, I'm going to find the right one. And I want to be really clear yeah. about this finding a therapist. Like I had no money. Uh, until I got criminal minds, you're talking to somebody mm-hmm. who was like, couldn't pay their $500 a month apartment mm-hmm. rent on time. So um, there are, if you do the, if you are willing to like, and this is my saving grace. I have like a journal, uh, I have like four mm. journals a year that I, I, I write, write, write. So I would um, try to find like a pay what you can or um, uh, they exist everywhere. Mm. No matter where you are, there is somebody that you can talk to that knows more than you that has gone to school for this, that you can talk to and that can reflect back and finding those and then finding, um, a therapist that would, um, help me to see what was going on because incest and sex abuse is such a big gnarly word. And, Mm. and, and you're like, no, but that's not true. But when I try to have sex with someone, I do punch them in the face, you know? So like, uh, but when I do do this, I Mm -hmm. do have this. And and then that led me down a path that is never ending. It's not like you wake up one day and you like, I don't think these things anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's an ongoing thing that you have to check in with like right. all the time. You, but you get taught like you're it used to be that my first thought was the real thought. And now I know yes. I've had enough work on myself and enough trust that I can pay attention to the third thought, the eighth thought. Yes. <sighs> <sighs> which is really important, I think. And, and and something also that we've mentioned on here before too, which is that it's very easy for us to over-identify with our thinking, mm-hmm. over-identify with our feelings. Because my first thought is always, they hate me. They hate right, me. exactly. They and then your me. second thought, your second thought is I'm not so bad. <laughs> oh my God, if I identify with my feelings, I would be like, 
I wouldn't get anything to, I mean, I have to totally. do everything. I have to pretend I am this person that other people, I am not, I, yes. how are you so confident? Like what? And I, when I met the, this guy that is the love of my life, I had to like do this, like, like he was so together and beautiful and like this beautiful combination of very a weird cocktail of things that would require me to be attracted to a guy. And like, I was like, I, I can't, uh, 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 no, I'm not. And it's like, no, you are, you've done all that stuff. And, and, mm-hmm. and even that part of you that got told that they're not this, yeah. I, it, you know, and there's, but there's things. And then you talk about the physical manifestation of stuff that happens with trauma. Like you were talking mm-hmm. about the vagal nerve. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a thing. Well, I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist what for my vagina because okay. I had so much trauma happen. And he just, when I say trauma, I'm talking about it could be physical trauma, it could be just the threat, it could be being uh titillated by something, you know. Um, but like the physical manifesting of it um happened, and then there's the 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 emotional and like putting all that together, I think consistently. But like the vagal tone that I've just, just belly breathing to teach yes. my paper, mm-hmm. that it can get longer. Cause it's yes, yes, yes. Like, well, what, and what you're talking, what you're, what you're talking, the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve. Oh, so the va- okay. yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. And you know, it's kind of the longest nerve that runs through our body, runs through our spine. But what you're talking about overall is mindfulness, mindfulness practices. And being able to not over-identify with our thinking so that when we have a first thought, we don't automatically assume that that's the truth or reality. And we allow ourselves to take a breath to mindfully, you know, kind of help to regulate our system as we then also continue to consider alternative narratives for ourselves right. and be able to then use those as uh, as the script for us. And that's what helps to continue regulating so that we then can also find ways of actively responding to our lives instead of just constantly reacting and, you know, getting right. hyped up in a way that continues to perpetuate a lot of irrational thinking and continues to keep the trauma alive. You can't yeah. do a real reality check until you're regulated. Yes. You can't, yes. you can't access that wise mind until you've done that breathing. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. No. And I think that to pick the good stories about yourself, pick the narratives that will get you not back to home if home is the scariest place you've ever been to. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I, I never heard I never heard it put that way before. Move you in a yeah. in a direction, and usually, like for me, if I feel like oh, I don't know what's going on, I as long as it's like, is this going to kill you? Is there someone dangerous around? This is probably just you're just not used to it. It's just, yes. you know, that is such a huge thing too, that the reason why we can cling so hard to some of our kind of old belief systems is just because of the fact that it's so familiar. Yes, and that is yeah. just a natural part of our functioning is to be able to grasp towards things that we know because that's a survival mechanism. But right. what we're trying to do is evolve beyond that so that we then aren't just operating from a survival, you know, kind of place right. and trauma space. I'd be able to uh, I, grow. Differently. I asked my therapist about that one time. I was like, why do I do that? Why do I do that bad thing? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, because that bad thing is your default position. Yeah. That's what you're used to. It's like that's a warm what blankie. you were taught. That's what you were taught to that. That's, that's what love feels like. Yeah. That's how you were taught to love. That's how you were taught to experience love from an Oh shit. Oh my God place. And you, I want you to expand your, your frame of reference to think, 
let's let's try to move you to a different default position from that. You know, and that's that's the work that I've done, kind of like rotating a little bit like, okay, let's get let's get away from the oh shit place. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a therapist I I love uh, two of them, Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. There's Mm -hmm. the Harville Hendricks and then Gay and Kathleen. I love the Hendrixes. I love the Hendrixes. Yes. We're actually we became pals um, over Instagram. I'm so like over. I love just I love. Yes. But he has a question that he asks which is when you're, when something is happening, right? It's what is my unconscious commitment to this? How am I, how is this? And for me, when things are happening, I'm like, how is this familiar? When I, when I self-sabotage an audition or when I, I I get a little scattered or whatever, I'm like, oh, what is my unconscious commitment to make you guys think that I'm a little kooky maybe, or uh, to prove that I, I, I'm not good enough for something. Like these are are unconscious commitments that, that we all have. And so when you're aware of them, you can, oh, there you are again. Exactly. It's basically understanding what we uh, deem as love, how we're defining love and how we learned to define love in these ways so that we then can consciously start to call out, okay, how am I continuing to perpetuate this when this actually is a false definition of what love is? And how can I start to shift that? That's what marriage is. It's you find out each other's unconscious commitments. Yeah. You find out like when my husband and I get into it and something when it gets weird or his stuff comes up or we're in our toxic place, one of us will actually go, what are you doing? Wait, stop. What mm-hmm. what's happening right now? What are you right. doing? And it's like, oh, this is my this is the gap. This I've is somehow, I've yeah. somehow put my parents' mask on your face. Yeah. Now, yes. You have to try to peel it off. Yeah. Yep. Oh my yeah. God. Kirsten, this is a three hour conversation. If, yeah. if you ever want to come back and talk, yes. I mean, this Anytime. is this is where we live. I mean, you are kind of the sweet spot of this uh of this uh podcast. It's, it's yes, because about talking, talking about all this talking stuff. about talking about trauma just as a concept and all the different kind of moving parts of that is already so hefty. And being able to do it from such a personal space of your own experience also carries its own weight. And the fact that you've been able to come on here today and offer that to us is a gift. Thank you for offering oh my gosh, part of so it. I think it's really important that people see, I'm not saying like I'm like sunbeams and unicorns and rainbows all the time, but I think mm-hmm. it's important for people to see that like you can take care of that little inner kid and you can have that or whatever. And you can also thrive. Yeah. That, that no one should take away your ability to thrive in whatever circumstance you're in. Yeah. You can get someplace better from exactly where you're at. And that's really important. That sounds like your hot message. I was about to give you, ask you to do a hot message, but that That is like, that That was was it. it. That from wherever you are, you can start anywhere. You can start getting better from any place. Any age, anything that's going on with you, anything, there is no lost cause. I love that. Well, after the plague, I want to hang out. Done. Because I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just we're we're your new two gay guy friends that you yeah. can tell. Yeah, yeah, it's us now. I, you guys were my imaginary gay guy friends for yeah. weeks now. So now you- <laughs> Where can everybody find you on your social medias? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at, at Vangsness. If you learn how to spell it, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can be <laughs> find on Instagram at at Kirsten Vangsness. I can be found on YouTube at. A show called Kirsten's Agenda. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. Oh for being. Thank you, Kirsten. Oh, no kind of. Thank, thank you. So thank you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 
Six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That was amazing. Such that a was great amazing. show. Yes, such a great show. I really, I truly, really appreciate that because. This is, uh, you know, it's a hefty topic and it, there's no way to really cover all ground in whatever, Mm-mm. 30, 40 minutes. Um, but we got to talk about some really great things and also be really open and vulnerable as, as Kirsten was too. So, yeah. Yeah. Great, so what's great, your hot message for the day? Oh, God. I think my hot message of the day is um, find a way in your own way, if you've had, as we've all had some versions of trauma, and especially if you've had some really significant experiences of trauma, mm-hmm. to be able to um, know that there are ways to heal from trauma and PTSD and things like that. Sometimes it feels like, oh, this is just my experiences, my lot in life. There are ways for us to be able to heal. There are ways for us to be able to what's called, you know, kind of uh, enact uh, post-traumatic power uh, and healing. Um, But that really means to be able to start really small, just to be able to check in with yourself and be able to um, find very small, doable ways that is within your control, like whether it's just kind of reaching out to a friend and and opening up about, you know, kind of a little bit of it, or, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching out to a therapist that you feel like you can really trust and take your time with, but that there are some actionable steps that you can take that can be healing. So that would be just kind of my encouragement for anybody who feels maybe at a loss or stuck that there is no healing available. There can be. You, you, my answer, my hot message was all you already said. So never mind. Great. No, we covered uh, all grounds. No, you said, <laughs> I think it gets really, it can be really overwhelming, the whole discussion about mental health. Mm-hmm. And it can be really overwhelming because I want things solved yesterday. Mm-hmm. I want to read a book, read a paragraph and have yeah. it figured out. And sometimes the most profound thing you can do to take care of yourself is to check in with yourself. Yeah. And give yourself time. Hey, Give yourself a time and check in your, with yourself and really kind of do that in a real kind of way that you would do with somebody you really care about. Yeah. How are you today? Yeah. And let that starting point be its starting point. Yeah. You know, like my husband and I sometimes will do this thing like, um, I want to rant, but I don't want you to fix this. I just want to be heard. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't want you to fix this. Don't come up with a solution. I just want you to hear me. Yeah. And that's that makes all the difference. Yes, it does. Where can people find you on your socials, big boy? <laughs> you can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on Instagram, Twitter, and Matthew J Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. What you can find you? me at, at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you uh, if you been listening to the podcast, welcome back. If this is your first time, this is what we do. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We love having you here. We're so grateful that you chose to spend your time with us. Tune in next week for more hot mess podcast fun. Bye bye. Bye everybody. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. 
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.